This is India Bastian with Aubrey Calvin, and together we co-host Southern Queries, a podcast where we explore being part of the LGBTQ community in the South. We have some deep conversations, explore some great topics, interview some interesting folk about what it's like being queer in the South. Welcome to Southern Queries. This is a show where we explore the LGBT community, individual experience, and personal identities. Some terminology that might be different or new to you. This is part of what we are exploring here through our conversations. Listen with an open heart and we welcome any polite and respectful engagement. And we encourage you to continue these conversations in your life and your community. Okay, so we're excited today to have one of our very first guests, Greta Abbott. And Greta Abbott lives in Atlanta. And we're going to go ahead and let Greta take it away. Greta, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? How are you doing? Good. India, do I have you here with me? Yes, I am so excited. I did want to say that I'm so grateful that Greta said that she uh, agreed to come on to the show. Um, so Greta, I'd love for you to kind of give us a brief um, introduction of yourself. Um, I know you're just more than just Greta Abbott from Atlanta. <laughs> right, right. Well, yes, but I was trying to give Greta the chance to kind of flesh it out, if you will. <laughs> uh, so what is, what, let's start with the basics. What are your pronouns and how do you identify? Sure. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers, um, and I. I just identify as a as cisgender female, uh, queer femme. Love it. Yeah. Um. So. Greta, one of the reasons why I thought it would be really great to have you on the show was because I wanted to understand more the perspective of the partner of someone who has had a partner who has transitioned. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd love to hear your story. I know, um, obviously, there's someone else in the picture that you're going to have to talk about, but I really wanted to hear more about your journey. And um, if you're comfortable, we would love to hear about your coming out story. And it sounds like you might even have multiple coming out points in your life. So let's start off with, I know you are not originally from Atlanta. Um, Where are you from? Um, I was actually born and raised in Indiana. Um, I lived there for the first 24 years of my life. So I've, I've only been living in Georgia since 2013. And what took you to Georgia? Well, lots of things. So <laughs> I, I think Indiana was a great place to grow up. Um, but by the time I finished grad school, I was ready. Um, my partner and I were both ready for bigger and better things, um, city life, um, just living. One of our biggest priorities, of course, was making sure that we lived in a very um, LGBTQ friendly kind of place with a with a community that would be supportive of us. Um, 
but we we also both got jobs here so um but we were looking all over the country and um atlanta just seemed like a really good fit for us so when you say you both got jobs here oh go ahead no what is it that you do um so i am a speech language pathologist um i mostly work with kids um i just started a new job over the summer which has been an interesting time to start a new job with uh, <laughs> with Corona and everything. Um, but I am currently doing all teletherapy services to to reach um, the kids that I work with. Woohoo! I'm so excited for awesome. you. That's awesome. <laughs> I have been loving it. It's been awesome. <laughs> so, do we consider Indiana the South? Sorry, what did you say? Do we consider Indiana the South? And uh, Indiana would be the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, my initial thought, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I wouldn't think of, like, the South as, oh, that seems more LGBTQ friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta, to me, was a complete surprise on how warm and how welcoming. I mean, I just saw Keisha Lance Bottom, but Keisha... Um, God, what is her last name? It is Lance, Last Bottoms, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. Yeah, she um, has a LGBTQ virtual opportunity fair that's coming up this July. And I just had one of those moments of, wow, look at that city. They're so progressive in the sense that not only they have like a committee of people, but they're also offering job opportunities in the middle of the South. I'm just kind of mind blown about it. Did you know that Atlanta was that LGBTQ friendly when you moved there or you were just excited about living in a city? Um, we we did a lot of research and I think kind of figured that out. Um, and I, I know a lot of people have described Atlanta as like a dot of blue and a sea of red mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as, you know, um, political affiliation and and you know, how people vote goes. Um, so the main two places that we were looking at in the South were Atlanta and Austin because they, you know, were more, more, um, yeah, they, the LGBTQ community had a presence there. Um, and so, um, we also knew some people from around here because my partner did grow up, uh, here for eight years. Um, in in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. So, um, you know, he was able to talk to them. And so we had a little bit of, you know, a personal connection to figure those, feel those things out too. Gotcha. So you see, you've been in Atlanta for seven years and how's it been? Like, what do you do for fun? How have you kind of, have you joy, been able to join into the LGBTQ community there or? Yeah, definitely. So the first way that I really got involved in some type of community here is with the Atlanta Women's Chorus. Um, I joined them in 2014, which I cannot believe it's been that long. Um, but we were part of a, a an organization that's linked with the Atlanta Gay Men's Chorus. Um, and so we do have a lot of members in our chorus who identify as queer in some way.
which I had no idea, honestly, when I joined. I just really missed having music in my life and um, always have had that as something kind of on the side with um, the side of my profession, I guess. But um, yeah, so I discovered, oh, there are a lot of queer identifying people here. This is cool. So I, I met a lot of wonderful friends through that group who are my best friends here. Um, and one thing that I really miss doing out in the community, um, I miss because of, you know, having to stay home all the time, pretty much oh, COVID. since March, <laughs> is uh, my chorus friends and I love doing karaoke in India. You probably know this. I know you've joined us before. Um, and so we, we love doing karaoke at uh, the lesbian bar here, which is called My Sister's Room. That is my favorite place and I miss it dearly. Um, so the, the crowd there is always so much fun. People also refer to it as MSR for short. Yes. Um, it took me a while to figure out it was the same place. I was like, oh, MSR, my sister's room. MSR, oh. okay. MSR. Yeah. 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 Um, so Greta, have you always known that you were queer? Is this, and also, did you always use the word queer? I was just talking about this in the previous episode with Aubrey, that the word queer is actually relatively new in my vocabulary. And I learned about it in Atlanta. Um, mm -hmm. did you always identify as queer or has it changed through time? It has definitely changed. And that's kind of, um, part of my whole like story um and but i i actually identified as straight until i was 21. yeah so in as far as the queer identity i i also sometimes say i'm pansexual um but i don't know i feel like sexuality is so fluid that it's like I, I have started to just say I'm queer. And if people want to know more about what that means for me, then I kind of go into more detail. But um, I feel like queer is just that umbrella term for, you know, either not straight or not cisgender or both. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, more and more, I've just started to say that I'm queer. Love it. So what happened to 21 to kind of take you away from that straight identity? It's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and st feel free to stop me at any time because I love telling the story and <laughs> get really swept up in it, all the details. So. No, we love well, it. Well, that's, that, that's why we're here. We want the story. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, when I was 21, I was, I was singing in a choir actually at, um, in my college. Um, so I was fortunately able to do that and take all my speech pathology classes at the same time. Um, and so the grad student who was directing the choir at the time, the grad assistant for the class was my now partner. Um, at the time he identified as genderqueer but went by female pronouns. So. I, it's interesting kind of talking about him in the past because sometimes I do use the female pronoun. So if I slip into that, that's why. Um, 
so but he identified he yeah identified as genderqueer and presented as very masculine you know wearing like ties and button downs and um everything like that and short hair and at first i walked into the the choir room on the first day of rehearsal and i didn't know him at the time and so i was like Wait, is that it took me a minute like is that person what what is their gender <laughs> like I was kind of trying to figure that out and then um once I just kind of saw his I don't know body language and confidence and the fact that he was so outgoing I started to like almost instantly become very attracted to this person um and so that that I feel like that moment was when it kind of I started questioning myself. Um, so this was ten years ago. Um, was this the first time you had met someone who was genderqueer? Like I had a very similar experience the first time I met a woman who was very masculine of center, and same thing when I met people who are genderqueer or non-binary. They have a nondescript. Like, I couldn't tell what gender they were, and they moved along the world with such confidence and, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like, love for themselves and just being like, yeah, I'm going to be way more masculine than what society tells me I should be because of the sex that I was born with. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it melts me. It's so hot. (laughs) Yeah. Was that your first experience? yeah, that, that was pretty much my experience, too. And I, I know that you and I are attracted to, like, a very similar type of person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, uh, for but... context, Aubrey, I, I have found myself sitting at a bar with Greta and, like, elbowing her and being like, girl, look, look, look at, look, <laughs> oof, oof. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> I can't confirm. Um, but yeah, I think it was the first time, at least that, to my knowledge, that I had met someone um, genderqueer. I, the only person I can think of before that that I was at least semi-attracted to but didn't realize it and thought that was normal for straight women um, was that I remember there was kind of a masculine of center um girl who worked the front desk in my dorm (laughs) um like the year before that maybe but it was still in college so still still kind of late-ish um but besides that I you know growing up in in small town rural Indiana (laughs) I didn't really come into contact with much diversity in any sense of the word so (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) well then Um, who made the first move what happened well we first became friends which I'm not really even sure how that happened because I am such an introvert and he's such an extrovert but at some point our our paths crossed I think maybe we were doing kind of a get to know you activity like an icebreaker in our choir and maybe that's what started it um but we we instantly became inseparable friends and at the time I was figuring out more and more that for me it it was an infatuation and you know a crush and I just I wanted to be with him like 
all the time. Um, so we would hang out after classes, we'd go to dinner together um, on campus and um, eventually, so this is maybe a few months after we met, um, we had our first kiss, which we can now consider our dating anniversary. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but that, that is a whole story in itself and I'll, I'll try to make it short, but it is kind of funny because he loves to tell this story, um, at this point now. So we were hanging out in my, my dorm room and I think we were watching The Office, which is awesome because that's still like my favorite show ever. Um, just hanging out on a Friday night and he um, just, I, I knew that it was one of those moments where you know it's going to happen. <laughs> and I was so nervous. <laughs> and so he kissed me and then asked me if I felt anything, <laughs> which is so so like, why would you do that? But that's, that's so that's nerve wracking. That's just his personality. <laughs> well, did so, you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, I'm still straight. <laughs> <laughs> I was in such deep denial at that point. Um, and so that's, that's really all that was, was I was in total denial. And I realized later, like, oh, I really did enjoy that moment. <laughs> So, but then what, like, how did it progress from you being in denial and then, you know, fast forward, now you're married. <laughs> right. That is true. That is true. So we, um, I mean, I guess it was a very gradual process into dating. Um, we took everything really slowly because he knew that I had never been with anyone besides cisgender males before. Um, I'd really only been in one relationship before him. Um, so we took it really slowly and, um, maybe about a month into things though, he started, um, dropping hints kind of that he wanted to transition. And, um, so I was asking a lot of questions about that and then, you know, that in itself kind of made me re-question my, my sexuality, but it was, it was mostly just us having open discussions about my feelings about people currently at that time and in the past. And so he was the one who kind of tried to figure out my sexuality and told me, oh, I think you're pansexual. And I was like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I've never heard this word before. Um, so he sent me like a Wikipedia article <laughs> to find it. Ah, uh, yes, Wikipedia. I know, the most reliable source, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it at least got the point across. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, I do think that is me. I'm, I'm attracted to people all along the gender spectrum. And to me, it's more about who the person is as a human being than what parts they have <laughs> just sure. to, to be direct or what combination of parts they have. Um, so I started to realize that that was a really good fit for me. Um, yeah. So was the hints that he was dropping, were they startling, shocking, or was it like gradual, like he would be joking about things and then 
that became more serious and open to discussion. Like I'm just trying to a picture what what did the hints look like or and how did you feel? Right. Well, he he was very like casual about it and I think the first thing that he asked me was, "Hey, I found this really cool documentary at the the campus library." <laughs> um and he was like it was it's about people who are transgender would you be interested in watching it with me and i was like yeah absolutely i you know i even though i was from a small town of 5000 people in <laughs> indiana i was fortunately raised by people who are open minded and you know i was taught to accept people and treat others as i want to be treated and so i said yeah like i am open to a learning experience. And so we ended up watching the documentary and <clears throat> it was really interesting and you know opened my mind and um then I guess after that he he started looking at things online like um uh binders, chest binders um and packers and and things like that and <clears throat> just kept kind of casually again asking for my opinion on like oh if i were to get this what would you think so he was kind of feeling out like wanting my approval um because i and it it makes sense once i kind of found out later his girlfriends in the past had wanted him to be this ultra like hyper femme kind of girl. Hmm. And hmm. so I was the first person who had said, "Okay, that's fine." <laughs> you know, every every kind of little step I was like, "Yeah, if if you feel like that's you and that feels right to you, then why not?" So, so that's why he was being so casual, like he was seeking my approval to kind of move forward with his process. That's beautiful. <clears throat> It's kind of awesome how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean I'm just I'm thinking about this just your partner's transition and how you were a part of it. It really does sound like you were more supporting and just wanting to be encouraging rather than leading him any particular way or asking him to be any particular version of himself is that right yeah yeah definitely um the way that he used to describe how he felt um identifying as gender queer was kind of the step before trans <laughs> that's how it felt to him so i think that that was kind of a transitional identity until he really got approval to to fully, you know, make a physical transition and change his name and pronouns and that kind of, you know, those more permanent um, and frankly kind of scary changes. So in terms of your identity before he transitioned, how were you identifying? Were you just in this like whirlwind of, I guess I'm not straight, but you still didn't identify a certain way or... Were you like, I'm a lesbian? And then you're like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Did you have those kind of moments? Yeah, I. it was like 
exactly like you said, kind of a whirlwind of, you know, who am I? And it was really unsettling for a few months, especially. Um, and it was just, it was very confusing. Um, so I was just constantly trying to ask myself, like, am I attracted to this person? Am I attracted to this person? What does it all mean? <laughs> it um, but I, I didn't ever really land on lesbian because I knew like I was still attracted to men. Um, but I just didn't know, I guess, to what extent I was attracted to other people besides cisgender men, if that mm. makes sense. So, so yeah, it was, it was a few months of being confused, um, before I kind of landed on, you know, tried on the pansexual label. And I was like, yeah, I, I feel like that's the best, most specific fit for me. Um, did you come out to your parents or your friends and family as pan at any point in time? I did. So interestingly, so before um, my partner transitioned, they my parents actually met him um, on separate occasions because my parents are divorced. Um, so they met him on separate occasions, but as his former name and wow. female pronouns, um, because it, it was before that he even, you know, had started to make those changes. And so when I came out, um, so this was mm, about four months into us actually dating from that first kiss. Um, it was at the end of the school year. And I remember I had to move out of my dorm and everything because I had just graduated. Um, and we were driving back to my hometown and I was with my mom and I, I said, hey, you remember this person? Um, so we're actually dating and they're actually transitioning to male and they, you know, he goes by the name Caleb now. Um, so it was partly kind of, um, you know, outing him, but also then explaining what that meant for me. So I said, yeah, like I'm, I'm not straight. I, I think that the best label for me is pansexual and yeah. So I, I had to come out to my parents separately because they're divorced. So. But also that, Greta double whammy. <laughs> You're like, I know, by I the know, way, this like, is Caleb and mom, by the way, this is me. <laughs> right. And so I, and I also thought it was really important to explain to them. It's not just this one person who has changed me, like, I think this has been there all along, or, you know, he didn't turn me this way, but he made me have that realization of who I actually am. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you both did that for each other. I mean, you were the accepting, um, kind girlfriend who didn't want to turn him into being a certain way. And, Whilst doing that, you kind of came out to yourself and to each other. It it really is really a beautiful. I mean, I'm just so like, oh, I'm getting all teary eyed. It sounds so beautiful that you guys blossomed together in that way. Um, how did your parents take it? Um, so my mom at first 
had a really hard time accepting it. And my dad was like, okay, like you're still, you're still Greta. You're still my daughter and I love you no matter what. Um, and at some point that switched. <laughs> so, wait, wait a minute. It's what do you mean it switched? What happened? So, so my mom was not accepting at first and my dad was, and then I think it was about the time Caleb proposed to me, which was about a year and a half after I came out. That's when it switched. And my dad was like, oh, this is not okay. And my mom was like, yeah, welcome to the family. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was very confusing. And I, I never knew when I made phone calls to them or anything, what their reactions to anything were going to be. So I was very on edge for a long time about all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aubrey, Aubrey I'm, I'm looking at you because I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just, um, no, I'm just thinking. Uh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, just, I have two different thoughts in my head. Um, one, I kind of, I want to know where your parents are now. But I think really, I'm more interested in the proposal, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, let's talk family and parents or whatever, but... I want to hear about the proposal more than anything. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay. So, so this was a great day. So um, I was in grad school. We were both in grad school when he proposed. And I had just finished an early morning class. Um, and I was sitting with my whole grad cohort in like an atrium of our College of Education. This is uh, at Indiana State. And um, this guy comes up to me, and he was one of the guys that I knew from our choir that Caleb and I were both in. And he goes, um, are you Greta Abbott? And I was like, well, no, I'm Greta Fishback, which was my maiden name <laughs> and why I changed my name. Um, <laughs> I was like, but I'm dating Caleb Abbott. And he's like, well, would you like to be? <laughs> and then he claps his hands really loud, and that's the signal for Caleb to come out. <laughs> and so Caleb actually wrote a song and played it on guitar. Stop it! <laughs> oh, what? Oh. Um, oh my god. So he comes out of nowhere, and I'm like, what is going on? And so he gradually comes down the stairs, like, in the in parts of the song and um wait so he's singing eventually... and playing and walking down the stairs towards you yes He didn't fall because didn't. that would be me. I would, I would fall. But. I would totally fall too. I can barely chew gum and walk at the same time. So that was impressive in itself. Um, but 
Yeah, so he, he played this the song for me and sang it and um, eventually handed off his guitar to one of my friends and popped out the ring. You are absolutely the love of my life. And I know you said you wanted to wait until December, but I couldn't wait that long. <laughs> you have been my partner through everything. And you have been the reason that I have stayed alive the last two years. And I, I don't want to be with anyone else, ever. I want to have kids with you. I want to grow old with you. I want to get slow with you. <laughs> and I wanted to know if you would do me the honor of being my wife, would you marry me? And um, of course they said yes. I was so excited and just like so flustered and it the whole the whole moment was so surreal that I didn't even have much of an emotional reaction until I don't know maybe about half an hour later when I was calling my friends and family and stuff so um but yeah it was perfect oh, oh that is such a good story Greta I didn't know that story I, I love know. the creative ones oh that's so wonderful yeah I mean, oh, so there was uh, his friend's involvement, there was a song, there was music, there was, oh. I know, yeah, right? Nine in the morning, yourself. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early to cry, but I might have my cry of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was our proposal story. I love it. <laughs> And your, how was your wedding? Like, were your families present? Um, was Caleb walking around the world as Caleb when you guys got married? Or, like, how was that? Yes. So, by the time that I came out to my family, this was, um, like I said, about four months after our first kiss, after we started dating. Um, that's about the time when he started going by Caleb and using male pronouns. So... Then we got married about three and a half years after that. So by that time, um, he it was fully, you know, everybody was everybody knew he had come out to all the significant people in our lives. And um, yeah, so he was fully identifying as male at that time. And um, where did you guys get married? We we got married um, in Marietta on the square. We got married at the courthouse um, in Cobb County, Georgia, and so then our for context. You had already moved down to Atlanta by then, or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. You would already moved down to Atlanta by then. Yeah. yeah so for context, Aubrey. Um, Atlanta is such a unique area, but a lot uh, similar to the DFW, there's a lot to it, but we have a circle around the um, city. And if you're inside this, and I mean a circle like a highway, um, and if you're inside that highway, it's um, ITP, so inside the perimeter. And if you're outside that highway, you're OTP, outside the perimeter. And so Marietta, Cobb County is west of Atlanta, right? West or is it east? North, northwest-ish. Okay. Yeah, it's, a um, it's a direction. It's a direction. It's one of them. So it's like a, <laughs> yeah. it's like saying exactly. you... Well, I, 
I hear Marietta is beautiful. I do know it's, I, I hear, I've been to Georgia a couple of times and the whole state is gorgeous. Yes. Now I've actually never been to Atlanta though. I've been all around Georgia, just not Atlanta. So uh, Aubrey, you Marietta would love it. is beautiful. Yeah, I've never it. been, I, I, there's people there and there's a lot of people. So I've <laughs> never been there. Yes, yes, lots and lots of people. So Greta, um, my experience of planning a wedding and booking a wedding as a lesbian couple has been really interesting here in the South. Did you encounter any of that while you were planning things with Caleb or was it just not an issue because Caleb was already very male presenting? Um, by the time we got our marriage license and things like that, um, he was legally also male at that time. Oh. So he'd gone to the social security office and all that. So, you know, by this point on his driver's license and everything, all of his documents yeah. say male and have the name Caleb on them. That's so awesome. I know. I feel, I feel very fortunate and very privileged, you know, especially still being part of the queer community, but not having to deal with those obstacles. Um, I know that we're very fortunate. Um, so yeah, so even though Marietta can be a very conservative <laughs> kind of place, um, and we, we were worried about the, the name change um, because that was the same courthouse where he got his name changed. You have to go in front of a judge and kind of plead your case um in order to ch legally change your name and so that was that was the scariest part that we ran into legally um because the judge could say no yeah <laughs> and we knew that was a possibility but that's we thought it was um more likely that he would be approved in the atlanta area than where we were back in indiana so that's why we waited he waited to legally change his name and gender marker till we moved to Georgia. So this is one of those where, so you were there in the, in the court, right? In the room, right? With the judge. Mm -hmm. And you actually, you said you planned to have the name change in Atlanta. Yes. I had, I have, a, I had a similar experience because when I changed my name, well, I thought I was just filing the paperwork. And then mm -hmm. the clerk says, hey, we have a judge available. Do you just want to go do it now? And I said, okay. Uh, but for me, <laughs> I, I hadn't planned on it that day. I thought I'll just drop off the paperwork and they'll give right. me a court date for later. And they said, no, the, the judge is free. Head on upstairs. And I was by myself because I didn't think it was going to be that day. So I changed my name legally without the support of my wife because... We thought we had a couple of weeks. So I think it's wonderful that you were able to experience that with them. Uh, I, my wife always criticizes me because all of my major changes have been by myself. Uh, I changed my name just in a, by myself in an empty courtroom. And I did the all the paperwork online to change my uh, gender identity legally. And that was just mailing things in. So... I think it's wonderful when I hear stories about couples that share the transition and the major milestones together. I just think that's beautiful. Did you celebrate afterwards? Was there cake, pie, ice cream, dinner? <laughs> I'm sure there was some kind of 
celebratory uh, baked item. <laughs> baked good. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, especially since we knew it was a possibility that the judge could, you know, turn him down or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we, yeah, definitely had a a big celebration. And um, at that time, it was also big for us to celebrate his... Um, what we call some people call it a tea day or an a manniversary. <laughs> some people call it that. So that would be the like celebrating the anniversary, the date when he started testosterone. <laughs> oh really? And so I think that was kind of the big celebration where we had friends and um yeah, we I think we all wore mustaches the first time. Like it was we it was a fun thing we did for a while. We don't really celebrate that now. Oh, y'all should bring that back. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm having enough fun in my transition because <laughs> your partner's transition sounds great. I didn't have as much fun. <laughs> well, I'm highlighting the the fun parts, I guess, for the most part, but um yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, it was definitely a big deal, though, for for us when that was all said and done. And it was like, OK, now it, everything feels more official in a way. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the, the last big step was changing his um, legal name and gender marker. So what did that mean for you? Um. If I mean, anything. <laughs> I, yeah, I think really the only way that that affected me was that then we didn't have to worry about um, about getting married and, and all that kind of, you know, anything that came in the way of that, because this was before 2015, um, you know, before the Supreme Court decision and everything. So um, that that was still a big relief at that time. It was it was a bigger deal at that time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So tell me more. Um, I know you said you're highlighting all of the positive experiences. <laughs> what do you think has been the most difficult part about being a partner to someone who transitions? Um, I think that that's a difficult question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was, I mean, at first, it was dealing with both of our families' reactions to things um, because I had always had a really, really good relationship with my parents, and I was the kind of, like, goody-goody child that never did anything wrong, <laughs> and I felt like I had really disappointed them. Um, it, you know, each of them at one point when they were not in that place of approval. Um, so that, that was really hard. And it's something that I don't think about very much anymore because my parents are both very welcoming and, and very, you know, they, they love Caleb and have accepted him as part of our family. Um, but I, I think that was probably the most difficult part. Yeah. Did your friendships change um, or how has your experience been in the community, whether it's the LGBT community or just out in the world? Like, do you have, not that it matters, but 
or does it matter to you? Like, do you find yourself gravitating towards more LGBTQ communities versus heterosexual couples or like, what does that look like to you? Or is it a free for all? Um, I feel like my, my friendships maybe changed a little bit at first. Um, because especially the friends that I had known for years and years, um, which growing up in a small town, you're, you're with the same people from elementary through high school. Um, so I was very close to these people and those people always knew me as straight. And so they were really thrown and confused and kind of in denial that this might be a possibility or, you know, thought it was a phase, you know, I'm sure you've never heard that one, that one yeah. before. Right? <laughs> I think we've all. <laughs> um, so it, it was kind of that um, dynamic that I had with them for a while, but, um, but things, things are better now. And I, I feel very fortunate again, that I, I didn't lose any good friends um, over this whole experience. Um, so I, yeah, I feel very fortunate, but um, I think that now I, I very deeply identify with the queer community. And so I am always seeking out um, either just more friends who are part of the community, but um, and, you know, going out to bars and things like that, I much prefer going to gay bars now um, and that soaking in that culture and being around, I feel very much part of the community. That's wonderful. So have you, and I have to ask, because I ask, like, I ask a lot of people this, and I think, India, you're going to get tired of me asking this question. (laughs) What is your relationship to Pride events? And I know this is being covid None right. of them are happening. <laughs> so we'll but, pretend it's a different year. <laughs> pretend it was 2019 or 2018. Uh, do right. you go? Do you march? Do you... What do you do? Do you wear a lot of rainbow? Yes. <laughs> I've collected more and more rainbow wear over the years. But um, I definitely like to... You know, there are some people that I kind of only connect with during Pride Weekend or most strongly connect with. Um, I know last year for Pride, um, India came back to Atlanta. So we got together with, we have a whole group of, you know, her friends that I met through her. And (laughs) my little um, core people. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so we, we had some parties and or got together at the park, but I, I love Pride Weekend, and it's usually one of my favorite weekends. It's in October in Atlanta. Um, yes, that makes sense, know, right? Yeah. Why yeah. do people have it in June? It's way too hot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing, yes. It's, it's much cooler, and it also usually coincides with National Coming Out Day. Yes. Um, which is yes. pretty cool. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's like the biggest party weekend of the year. And, um, you know, there's day drinking and there's, there are like no rules and (laughs) it's just so much fun and everybody is just so happy. And, um, I literally will like close my eyes at night and still see rainbows. (laughs) 
but um and, but i usually uh, walk in the parade every year my uh, my chorus the atlanta women's chorus has um, usually has a float or at least a group of us who walk together so i i really enjoy that because you just yeah everybody's so happy and everyone's just yelling happy pride and they're just i don't know it's just it's a good time and i'm really sad that it's canceled this year yeah aubrey i was gonna ask you um do you go to pride events is that something that you've been wanting to do or have done i believe we're talking about greta right now (laughs) well i'm I'm only asking (laughs) i'm only asking because saying happy pride during October and Pride Month is a thing in the South. I um, was in, where was I? I must have been in New York um, for Pride, and there was not people, like strangers on the street being like, Happy Pride! Or you'd say thank you after you purchase something, and they go, Have a good Pride! Like, in Atlanta, it radiates across the city. And you could be walking down the street, and you see someone with rainbows, and if you shout, from the other side of the street, happy pride, they'll show back at you. People will honk. It's like, it exudes pride throughout the city. And while I did pride in Dallas a couple years ago, that was not the case. And it felt very sad to me because I felt really disconnected from the city versus in Atlanta, I felt really connected. And it didn't matter if the person was waving a pansexual flag or a rainbow flag, we were all saying happy pride to each other. Um, And it was really meaningful. And I feel like that might be, I don't know, you guys tell me, but it's been unique in my experience in the South uh, to Atlanta. Well, I don't, and I'm not typical in this regard. I don't love pride, but it is not for anything (laughs) political. And, you know, so in my county where we live, where I live, uh, where we live, uh, we do it in September. And we're one county over from Dallas and Dallas typically has theirs in June. And then we have ours in September, which makes more sense because of the weather and the heat. And I'm not marching in June or July in 100 degree heat. But <laughs> when, I, when I first came out, we went to the Dallas Pride once and it was a bit overwhelming for me and a bit overwhelming for my daughter. I don't do well with crowds. I don't do well with large amounts of people where I don't really know where people are coming from, if you will. (laughs) And she was a little overwhelmed. So we kind of caught the tail end of a parade and stayed in the little family friendly fun zone where they have the games and things for little kids. And After that, I have marched in my county's pride parade as a part of my job because I do advise the LGBTQ student group on my college campus. So I've marched for my job, but it's not something I love. Yeah. And it's just because I don't like crowds that much and I never know who I'm waving to. Like, when I'm marching, I'm like, I don't know you people. 
Right. Like, I don't know you all. You don't know who I am. I'm not anyone important. <laughs> so just the, I, I get the idea of it, but the logistics of it, I'm still f- trying to figure out. Sure. So, so, I, so Greta, when you're marching or at Pride, do you find yourself just waving a rainbow flag or are you waving a trans flag and a, pa- a pansexual flag or um, other? Um, I think it kind of depends on the year, I guess. Um, but uh, last year, I think, was actually the first time that I... Um, there was someone from our chorus organization who was, like, handing out flags to us uh, that we could use. And I was like, oh, I want the pansexual one. Um, so I felt like it was it was kind of a liberating thing for me where I know not everybody identified with whatever flag that they had on or were holding. But for me, I knew that I was. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of cool because I didn't know who was going to see me. And, you know, I, I worked in a public elementary school for the last five years. And so that was a little bit scary for me to, you know, just to be out there like that and all my rainbow stuff and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun um, to kind of have that moment. It's empowering. And did you all sing? Did you all sing? I mean... I have to ask. You are the women's chorus. We are. Did you sing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we usually, I guess, blast some kind of super gay playlist of songs <laughs> and and sing along with that. But it's like not our chorus stuff because it wouldn't it wouldn't be upbeat enough. Most of the stuff we sing is like traditional choral music, so it it would not be. People would be like, what? what is happening so we try to keep it very upbeat and yeah and just play pop music and stuff like that (laughs) and sing along of course sure so I have two more questions um but Aubrey do you have any other questions before we start wrapping up um I did have one and this is going to sound out of left field but there's a point to it can you tell us about your dog (laughs) (laughs) because and i I say that and i ask because a part of being queer is that we're constantly building our sense of family and our sense of community and the people and the uh, who we value Mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering uh can you tell me about your dog Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> my dog is the love of my life. Uh, her name is Ducky. And she officially on her paper, she's mixed breed, but she's she's probably got a little pit bull in her, but we can't say that. Um, <laughs> but she's the sweetest little cuddle bug ever. Um, she's over next to me in her little bed. Um but her her kind of signature thing is she has one ear up and one ear down all the time. <laughs> and um, I'm so uh, in love with Ducky, it's not even funny. <laughs> we love her so cute. We love her like a child. <laughs> and is she more your dog or Caleb's dog or both of you or 
I mean, normally I would say both of us pretty equally, but during this whole quarantine thing, Caleb has been an essential worker, so he's been out of the apartment. Um, but she and I have gotten a lot closer uh, because I've been working from home since mid-March. Oh. So, um, yeah, I know when when I go back to work for real, <laughs> she's not going to know what to do. Poor thing. Oh, <laughs> Um, so my last two questions for you, Greta, um, my first question is what does it mean for you to be queer in the South? That's a good question. Um, I think that to, to be in the South and I, I think that it's important to stay visible, um, and I, that's something that I'm continuing to kind of work on as I get more comfortable with who I am as a person is, is being out there and being more visible, Bec- especially during this uh, administration that we're in um, and just the climate of everything in the world. I think it's really important to put yourself out there um, unapologetically you know if if you're able to do that safely um and that that's usually my main concern is in the south is can i do this safely and fully be myself yeah um yeah so i especially at my last job that i just left at the elementary school that's one thing i i never felt like i could fully 100 percent open up to any of my coworkers about who I am and my queer identity. And so in general, I felt like I held a lot back and just stayed on my own and didn't fully connect with people because I didn't feel like I could be fully authentically me. So I'm trying to work on that and, you know, feel out when it's safe to be out and when it's not. And, um, it's, it's still a scary time, even, even living in a big city that, is widely liberal and you just did a podcast around using pronouns before your job Mm -hmm. correct can you tell us more a little Mm -hmm. bit about that yeah so last week um i was interviewed on a podcast called speechy side up and um so it's it's for (laughs) i know it's a it's a very speech therapy uh sounding name i know it's cute um, and that interview so you inter- so we're in july you just interviewed that this, that was last week right yes because i went through all of the speeches podcasts and i didn't find your episode so i thought maybe i just missed it no um okay it's, it's not going live until okay all right september i, I think so okay. yeah i no, thought i had fine. just i thought i thought i had just missed it <laughs> okay yes no worries. so it's about pronouns you said yeah, so it's she, the um, host of the podcast contacted me and said that she is doing a theme for her podcast coming up in August and September to talk about um, cultural um, inclusion and diversity, something like that. Um, and so she wanted somebody from the queer community to kind of talk about you know how we as speech therapists can 
teach, I mean, part of what we teach is pronouns because we teach parts of speech. And um, so we have to kind of rethink how we're teaching pronouns and using singular they and um, make our, our lessons more inclusive. Um, so I talked a little about that. And I, I talked a little bit about um, transgender voice therapy. Um, that's a big, big interest of mine. Um, but I, I still haven't started doing it because I haven't found the right in, I guess, <laughs> in order to start that. But it's it's something I'm very interested in. And I've been researching for a long time and, and would love to be able to do someday. Um, Greta, well, can I, can I follow, go ahead. Can I follow up? Or yeah. go ahead, India. Well, no, I was going to say, I. Uh, what is that? I'm a naive newbie over here. What is transgender voice therapy? So mainly um, speech therapists who work with transgender clients, it would be to modify the voice itself, um, to raise the pitch normally um, for uh, male to female, M to F um, people. So um, to, to sound more feminine, um, sometimes you change help them change the inflection of their voice because females use tend to use different types of inflection than males do. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's evolved a lot over the years. And I, I emphasize in the podcast, I think it's really important to use a client led approach mm. because I know that I want to help people modify, modify the voice to fit, you know, who they are. Um, and but you also don't want to solidify gender stereotypes in that kind of thing so yeah. it, it kind of depends on what the person you're working with um what their goals are fascinating go ahead aubrey with your follow-up because i have one more question and then we can wrap up <laughs> <laughs> and i know i know we're greta we're keeping you forever i'm sorry we just you're there's fine more, there's more we want to ask uh, and it's related to what you said about the uh gender voice therapy you said you're looking for an in mm-hmm. are you looking for like what more, more clients are you looking to just the logistics and business part of it or yeah I think it's, it's mostly the logistics uh part mm-hmm. of it like I I know very little about you know starting in my own business or but I I think that it might be cool in the future to become or start an LLC or um I've had some friends my age who've done that and i always thought oh like that's something that people who are like in their 40s <laughs> do were, were more sure about life and more and then i'm like no like i i'm i'm in my 30s like i i can do this so um i think it's it's something that i have researched and i've collected all these i'm such a nerd like i've collected all these research articles and i made a binder for it and everything so I've been reading up on it and it, I just haven't put it into practice because of the, yeah, the logistics part of it. <laughs> Greta, once you get there, let us know. We'll plug you in. <laughs> yes, we will. I would love that. We will promote your business on the show. We will absolutely do that. I will let you know. Um, so I guess my last question for today is what would you... What piece of advice or what would you say to someone who would, would be in your position? Um, someone out there who is partnered with someone who is transitioning. What words of wisdom 
do you think is important for them to know? I think it's important to be flexible um, because what a lot of people don't realize is that you as a partner of someone who is transitioning also make transitions yourself. And so just being open to those changes and questioning your own gender identity or your own sexual orientation and just just being open with yourself um, and but also, you know, of course, with your with your partner who's transitioning. Love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Greta. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. That is all for today, y'all. Aubrey, my co-host, and I would love it if you follow us on social media, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a review and catch you on the next episode of Southern Queries. Some credits. Production, your hosts, India and Aubrey. Audio mixing by Allison Hawley. Story research, Aubrey Calvin. Editing, India Bastian. This is Southern Queries.